Welcome to a football show Thursday edition here in the heart of Nashville on Music Row at the Cast Collective Studio. I did it, Zach. I did it. You did it. I did it, Zach. Braden. I like that we celebrate it every time you do do it right, <laughs> but we kind of let it slide when you mess it up. No, no, no. Should I should I start really harping on it when yes. you mess up? Yes, I think you should. I, I've called myself out every yeah, time. Yeah, you do. I, I, you I've do. Gotten it wrong uh, because it's pretty stupid to get it wrong. Uh, yeah. Cast Collective Studio, of course, is where we are. Um, uh, buildkg.com is the website for the Kingston Group, our title sponsor. Um, we'll get into what they do and what the Cast Collective does in a second. Um, got a great show planned for you guys today. I do want to say quickly, I apologize about Monday. Uh, Zach was ready to go. Had all kinds of Jaguars takes and Texans takes, and we're going to talk about the SEC West quarterback situation like we promised. We, would, we were going to do all that on Monday. I had some family stuff come up, so I want to apologize to everybody out there. I, I'm sorry about that, and I do appreciate Aaron and the Cast Collective Studio and Sean and you being so gracious and um, giving me some some time to, to work through some stuff on Monday, so I really appreciate it. Uh, give all the people you care about an extra hug today for me. That's all I ask. How about that? Because people are acting crazy in this town right now, and hopefully we get no blue alerts on our phones during yes. the show today because... That guy made it all... With two AK-47s, made it all the way to Louisville. I'm not... Are you surprised by that? I just... I, I don't know why he went north to Kentucky. I guess to hide in the hills of Kentucky. <laughs> you, I guess you... you fit, he probably fits right in. Well, well he Kentucky. was on a boat. He got into the boat, right? This is not what we planned on talking about. Welcome to a football show. Get in the comment section. Uh, but if you're going to... You can get from a boat all the way up to, like, the, the Ohio River and the Mississippi River. So he took a boat up there? Through the land. Well, he jumped onto a boat in Hendersonville. Oh. And that's how he evaded... The authorities. Oh. And then I got a bunch of blue alerts after yes. that, and people were freaking out because, again, we don't have enough to worry about in our lives today as it is. Okay, so today on the show, uh, by the way, slide into the DMs on the Cast Collective. Uh, if you need a place to rent for a private event or recording studio. Listen, since the last time we were here, tons of upgrades. Lots of upgrades have happening. Many people lots have, of lights, lots of nice furniture. Many people are talking about yes. it. There's like four interns now. I yeah. don't know how that happened. There's all kinds of interns floating around here. <laughs> what are they doing back there? <laughs> um, so, uh, obviously, cast underscore collective. Thecastcollective.com is the website, of course, if you want to uh, rent out a space. And our wonderful sponsor, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. If you own a home in Nashville and you're going to do some work on it, make sure you talk to them first. Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. We use them at my house physically. We use them at my house. I, I, I guarantee you can trust them. They're going to do great work. Even if you don't use them, they'll point you in the right direction. Today on the show, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes. You've asked me. You're, you're going to preview the Jags. Yeah. We're going to talk about if they're a little underrated or not. You're going to tell me if I'm an idiot or not. More than likely, yes. Uh, almost guaranteed. Yes. Um, <laughs> You stupid idiot. <laughs> Vegas odds are minus 150. I'm an idiot. Plus 200, I'm not. Yes. Um, I think I got that right. Uh, but you asked me specifically for, I told you, I thought Trevor Lawrence was going to be significantly improved. Significantly improved. And you asked me to define that. Yes. So I will do that for you all today on We're the show. hold them to it. Uh, also, the Texans. We're going to talk about if the Texans can actually build themselves and pull themselves out of this, this funk that they've been in for a long time here. And a lot of that hinges on one guy. Is Davis Mills actually a franchise quarterback? So we'll get into that conversation. We were going to talk mostly college football on the back end of the show about the SEC and the quarterback battles, and we still will do some yes. of that. But there was some news breaking right before Big news. the show that some more conference realignment, super conference stuff is going to happen. So we'll give you, we'll give you sort of a rundown, right. which is very clearly a response to the SEC taking Texas and Oklahoma. So we'll get to that coming up today on the show as well. Okay. What do people need to do if they want to get involved in the show? Zach? Go to the YouTube channel, 440 Sports, hit subscribe, hit the notifications turned on, and get in the chat. I mean, we read a couple of the comments that come in. We're not, you know... Don't suck, though. Yeah. I mean, we're not the, the best at getting to the comments, but if you have a good comment, we typically <laughs> try to put it up there, and uh, we'll answer any questions that you guys may have. We'll hear your input. Go to our Twitter pages, at EffortsPod, at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports, and follow everybody on Twitter and turn notifications on there and share it. Share it with everybody. There you have it. Please tell everybody. Just tell one friend. Just tell one friend about the show. That's all we ask. Yeah. I ask. I demand five friends. Every five friends. Episode. Five new friends every time. Because those five friends will tell five friends, and those five friends will tell five friends. It's a. It's like a. It's like a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous. We, we want to be the COVID of shows. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Not too soon, Zach. Not too yeah. soon. Um, okay, so anything else? Uh, all the Broadway Sports Media stuff, all the other 440 pods, check them all out. Yeah, we big do. things on the horizon at Broadway yeah. Sports Media, so I've been told through back channels. <laughs> this is going to be, a, this is gonna be a, a spicy show today. It is. <laughs> We're in rare form. Uh, I'm just glad to be back talking about football. That, yeah. that's, that's what I'm glad to be doing here. So let's talk about the Jags. Let's do um, it. 
they they spent a so I, for some reason the Eagles come to mind, and I think about the dream team with Michael Vick and all the corners and all the pieces that. They, oh, I thought you were going to talk about this Eagles dream team. Yeah, I feel awesome. like they're doing the same thing again. I, that's and, a whole difference. But that was the team. one that everyone just hyped up right. all off season long because they went. The Jung was part yeah, of. That. I think right. it, he was the reason why it was called the dream team, right? They, they spent a bunch of money on a bunch of pieces, thinking they were going to come all in and solve problems right away. Right. Now. We have, I believe, a shared philosophy in both college and pro football that you build through development, you build through people, you build through the draft in the NFL, you build through recruiting in, the, in college. You can supplement that stuff with some nice pieces here and there, a Bud Dupree perhaps. Maybe, if you're Alabama's case, a Jameer Gibbs, a nice right. running back. Like You can go grab a select guy, but the vast majority of your championship caliber team is going to be built through the draft or through recruiting. So the question I have for you is, with Jacksonville, spending all kinds of money this offseason, why would this be any different? Can they spend their way out of being god-awful under Urban Meyer? I mean, for the last, uh, gosh, since 2016, maybe even back further, they've always been among the top 10 in spending, and typically the top five. Okay, so um, I don't want to say that they've been top five the whole time, but I think they've either been top three to top five almost exclusively for the last few years. So when you're a team that does that, and you still don't see wins, why does a team like this continue to do it? And that's the big question to me. Why are you paying Christian Kirk $18 million a year and totally screwing up the wide receiver market, not just for rivals in your own division, but for the whole NFL? You've royally screwed up everything because you paid a third wide receiver for the Arizona Cardinals that is basically a slot wide receiver for the most part, $18 million a year for nothing, for no reason. There, there is. Does he really come in and improve this receiving core that is worth the money? No. And then on the flip side of that, on the defense, you can see that they are t attacking the defense and how they are going to build the defense based off Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. Oh, I agree, totally agree with that. They, they, that's, they, a, that's a sound strategy. Yeah, though. it's a sound strategy if you get good linebackers. I mean, that's yeah. the thing. Your linebackers have to pay off, and they buy, and they're buying, they're overspending on mediocre players. Just because you get ten mediocre players doesn't mean you that those ten mediocre players could turn into one elite player. So I, we were we're going to spend some time talking about the offense and about Trevor Lawrence and how it's all going to work together with Doug Peterson and all that stuff. But I want to stay with the defense, and I want to get your thoughts on the front seven because I do think there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of talent in that front seven for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I just I, I want to know, it's clear to your point, they have invested in these pieces to stop Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor. So my question is, do, do they not – and they were pretty damn good on defense just a couple of years ago. So do you not – Forget the overspend. Yeah, but that was like 2017 when they had Jalen Ramsey, right? I mean, that's true. Forget the the overspend on the receivers. We all kind of agree on that. And some of the, even Evan Ingram, who's a nice player, but like does one thing. Uh, what about the front seven? Like, I, I actually am bullish on the the collection of talent, especially with how, what they did in the draft. When you look at that front seven, I I think there's some potential there. I just I see a bunch of guys, and I think that's the issue. I see a bunch of Naquan Joneses and Tierra Tarts. Like to me, none of these guys are really? named guys, in my opinion. Roy Harris Robertson, Foley Fatukasi, I mean Malcolm Brown. And then Josh Allen is okay. Has he lived up to his draft draft hype? No. And then you got Foye Olukun and Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker, and we Those don't really know if Trayvon Walker is going to be even really good, and what's Devin yeah. Lloyd going to be. The The issue that I have when they are spending this capital, how many of these guys are going to be good later on? Like, these are not impact players, and I understand that maybe they're still trying to build a young defense, and they're like, hey, our defense may not be that good this year, but next year will be great because we're going to have young pieces. Okay. But then you lose Josh Allen next year if you don't re-sign him to an extension, then what is he really worth? I, I love Devin Lloyd. Love yeah. Devin Lloyd. Everything about his game, how he plays, how versatile he is, I think that's a, a nasty. But can the, the Jaguars get – can they pull out – what you need from Devin Lloyd and Trayvon Walker. Because it seems to me something stinks in the water. It's kind of like when Denver, for the longest time, they would have these coaches that would come in and for long, probably even up to last year with Vic Fangio, and they would make perplexing time decisions, clock management decisions. And then they would decide never to ride the hot hand in the running back room. And that even extended to Mel Melvin Gordon and uh, Javante Williams, which for whatever reason they're – still talking like they're going to split carries between the two of them, which makes no sense. Something is in the altitude in Denver. Something is in the water, in the pool water in Jacksonville. 
Okay. I don't. Well, there's definitely something. Yeah. In, I think at this that pool needs a penicillin at, shot. Dude. At this point, I don't have faith, regardless of the coaching staff that they put in there, until I see it. It's kind of like Ryan Tannehill in the playoffs. Until I see it, I don't believe it. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I like. How about this? I'm optimistic about the pieces they have in the front seven. I think you're right to think that that it's more than a year away yeah. before it develops into this unit. That but we you also think spent a, a ton of money. I think they spent in just cash like two hundred forty something thousand dollars, maybe even two hundred eighty million, two hundred forty four to two eighty million in just cash in the year. So that means Shad Khan and Tony Khan, who's for those who don't know, runs a AEW, which is the direct competitor of WWE, and he buys up talent like crazy. It, it's like father, like son. And they, they're, they are spending money. Now it's time to get the returns. And I don't think, I think Jacksonville is still two or three years away from being even close to being an eight and nine, nine and eight kind of team. Like, oh, okay. I, I'm fair. I'm fine with the, I think they've taken steps on defense to be better. And I like the personnel that they acquired. I think Walker and Lloyd, you could do a lot worse from a talent perspective than those two pieces. And I like some of the I like some of the guys they've got. I think it is definitely a year or two way. I do not think they are a 500 football team or a nine win or a winning football team yet. I don't think we're in that ballpark. The over under is six and a half. Do I like them to be seven to be a seven win team? I think it's possible Oof. because I think that that is, and this this brings us to the offense and this brings us to Trevor Lawrence and because I do think so. <laughs> this will be the only show anywhere in the internet. That just that that compares the Tennessee Volunteers of 2021 to the Jacksonville Jaguars of 2022. So you know how when you have a coach who is so bad for everyone around you, Jeremy Pruitt, Urban Meyer, right? Just destroys culture. No one wants to be there. Everyone hates each other. There's no cohesion. There's no culture. Cliche, cliche. But it's clear that they are not professionals. Like they're not adults. <laughs> they're not. Yeah. They're not capable of managing the organization the way a leader has to manage them. So I think hiring Josh Heupel, who I don't think is elite, and Doug Peterson, who I don't think is elite, but both are very similar in that they've got pretty sound offensive schemes. They're pretty solid offensive coaches. They are nothing special in terms of high-end, I think, upside Super Bowl or SEC championships. But what you can see from an organization, when you just remove the cancer, you can see growth. You can see the talent flourish a little bit. And I think what Tennessee did last year was you got a professional adult grown-up football coach in charge, and that's Josh Heupel, Coach Dad. Is that what we call him? Yeah, Coach Dad. Coach Dad. I call him Coach Josh. Coach Josh. We may not – I don't think Doug – although Doug Peterson did win a Super Bowl, I don't think he's going to win a Super Bowl with the Jaguars. But he is a grown-up adult And he's bought them ice cream because he loves ice cream. That man so loves ice cream. So he's Coach Dad, too. He's Coach but, Dad, too. But he is a – the point is, is he may not be great, but he is a professional adult. He, he is a, an adult football coach who knows how to do the job. He may not be great at it, but to me, that's what you buy with Jacksonville. Now, here's what else you get with Jacksonville. So you, Doug Peterson, not there. Travis Etienne, not a factor last year at all. Uh, James Robinson was, but got hurt. Evan Ingram. And he's still coming back from injury, right. as said yesterday. Not until late in camp. They yeah, he's he's him, basically so. taking his time. So his feelings towards the, the, the franchise of Jacksonville has not changed, <laughs> even though he was under the Urban Meyer regime. I don't, I don't know how anyone would feel positive towards working for that organization. But again, this is what hopefully Doug Peterson does is settle it all down. Christian Kirk, say what you want about the cost, is still a solid number two or three receivers. Yeah, but they Jones. let DJ Chark go. So like, I it's like, like you're not picking up. I like anything. Chenault too. I like Chenault too. But do they? See, that's the other thing. Like, do they like Chenault? They don't like good players. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're solid on the offensive line. Not great, but solid. Cam Robinson got the extension. You got Walker Little, potentially Brandon Scherf. So I say all of this to say that there's a lot of new there on the offense for a quarterback that we know has extraordinary talent. And so when you remove the cancer and you remove the negative and you remove the bad and you you replace that with a professional adult coach, a star tailback that he knows very, very well, an ETN, a couple of more weapons, I can see that that the Trevor Lawrence being significantly better in 2022. I'm saying seven wins. I'm not saying nine wins. Yeah, I'm saying I, I seven think, wins. I think you need to go back to earlier what you said that they're not even in the ballpark of being eight and eight or eight and nine or five hundred and you got them seven hundred seven wins. That's seven and what is it now? Seven, seven and ten? Nine. Seven and ten? Seven and ten. But that's still ten like losses. That's two that's only two games away. So they are kind of in the ballpark. I mean they're kinda like hitting a double for you. I, we'll we'll get to this with the, with the Texans. It's sort of like how do you look in your losses yeah. that gives you up. Well that's what I was gonna say is that to me, I think Jacksonville's gonna be better 
because they're going to look better in their losses. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what I was going to say. I think they're going to look better in their losses, but All they're right. still going to lose. You, When you look at it, you're talking about they play the NFC East, they play the AFC West. This is not a, that. There's eight losses right across the board. All of them, but, but they, they beat, beat. But they also the NFL is a place where Jacksonville last year under Urban Meyer can beat Buffalo. Yeah, but that, that's I, what makes doesn't this doesn't that weird. seem like it's the outlier totally. of everything? And this seems like the outlier here. I, I mean, Marvin Jones is another year older. You know, are the, it sounds like to me they just got a bunch of gadget players. They got ATN and they got Lavishka Chenault, who was technically just like. Travis Etienne, except for he was going to be a little bit used more as a wide receiver. I think Chenault's a solid player. Uh, Evan Ingram does like one thing. Well, he's very fast in the open field. Yeah. He's a good pass catcher, but he doesn't really do much else as a tight end. The, the problem is, is that Trevor Lawrence is, he's just so hit or, he was so hit or miss even when people were open that, and now you got to hit him in another offensive system in a second year. So the second. Very quarterback friendly system with more weapons. We'll and see. an adult, we'll Co- see. Coach we'll, Doug. We'll Coach see. Doug. This, this Doug, do you guys remember Doug Peterson lost the Eagles locker room by purposely throwing a game? Well, so is he really an adult? Are we really going to throw? Why are, More are than Urban Meyer. Still, yeah, the bar is Urban Meyer I, I here, think, dude. Well, I think that's the problem, though, is that we're not, we're not looking at Doug Peterson. We're looking at Doug Peterson versus Urban Meyer. Doug Peterson, uh, Eagles' career after that Super Bowl win went down in flames, and he was losing players left and right. I know. And that can easily continue, especially in Jacksonville, when you're probably not going to win. You're probably bare – you're talking about you may get two games in in your own division. And I'm looking at this conference schedule – you may get one. I mean, they, they they get saddled with the Baltimore Ravens because the the Ravens were third place last okay. year. Two with the Texans, obviously. Yeah. They they get Detroit. They got the Jets. Come on. Yeah, they, I mean, they get Detroit. I think they can get the to Jets. six, seven wins. Yeah, that I they'll be lucky to get to five. Okay, I'll take action on that. Okay, okay. I'll take action. Write it that. down. Uh, Stony Keeley in the comments, uh, of course, of the Sobros Network. We appreciate his support. Uh, go check out all the great work that they do. Free shout, definitely a free shout. The Jags were a competitive defense with their head coach sticking his thumb up butts at the bar. Thank you for that reference. We do appreciate that. Losing Meyer and adding a more stable head coach was the classic example of addition. I just don't think you can call Doug Peterson a stable head coach. You could call him stable in comparison, but I don't think he's like this poster boy for a stable locker room. Stoney Keeley clearly agrees with me. Yeah, yeah. He does not agree with you. Doesn't doesn't mean you guys aren't idiots. (laughs) Listen. It's valid. (laughs) So what is significantly better? Because obviously I I do expect that his yards will go up, right? So he he threw for 3,641 yards. Last year, where's obviously over, okay. but how much over? Is I've got a few better. numbers that I'll say that show the improvement, and you can tell me if that qualifies or not. Yeah. So he completed 59.6% of his passes. I'm going to put him at 62% this year. Slight, slight, slight improvement there, just a little bit better decision making. Significantly better, but no, better. Not in one okay. category. Okay. You, well, see, well, where, you see where I'm going. You see where I'm going here. Uh, 3,600 yards. I'm going to put him at 3,900, 4,000, 4,100, somewhere in there. Well, you got to pick one. I'm going to go around 4,000, give or take. So he's going to be... If he's under 4,000, that's not significantly better for the capital that they spent in pass, catch, and weaponry. I just want to throw that that out That's fair. you're going to say that they spent a lot of money. And they got a quarterback guru or whatever you want. Here's where the significant improvement comes. And really, all of it taken together is the significant improvement. Which, which, by the way, shouldn't be that hard to beat these numbers (laughs) last year. No, it's not. Um, Throwing... Throwing 12 touchdown passes in the NFL and starting all 17 games is hard to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm averaging an interception a game. Yes, led the NFL. And I get all of that. I get all of that. He was playing for Urban Meyer in the NFL. I think that is important. Uh, I'm going to go 23 touchdowns, a few, a couple of fewer interceptions, so like 14 interceptions, maybe 13 interceptions, somewhere in there. So I'm going to go 23 to 13 touchdown to interception ratio, which is still in 2022 – Terrible. Not good. It's Ryan Tannehill territory. That's yeah, Ryan Tannehill throwing to Nick Westbrook-Akine, Chester Rogers, yes. and Tommy Hudson terrible. He ran for 334 yards and a pair of touchdowns last year. I'm going to give him about the same, 350, yeah. but I'm going to give him a couple more scores because they're down in the red zone a few more times. So I'm going to go 350 and four. So here's the difference. If he's a little bit more accurate by three or 4%, he's bet a few more yards per game. Let's say 20, 30, 40 more yards per game. So he's at 250 instead of 220, let's say. He th- has almost double the number of touchdowns and a fewer fewer interceptions and does the, about the same on the ground. To me, across the board, as a player, that is a significant step forward. But is that enough for the number one overall pick? And for one of the most ballyhooed, throw flowers at his feet kind of uh, quarterback prospects right, let me, to come through. Are, are you anti-Trevor Lawrence? Yeah. Well, like as a player? Yeah. I, 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 as a prospect. I, I think... 
I think you, what you saw in Clemson, oh man, I, all I can remember is that, that Volnell rods, but the Clemson year no free shots. was... Uh, they beat Alabama in 18. Yeah, so 19, I think the year right after that, he they, looked they, terrible coming out of the gate. They lost, yeah, because he was he was banged up, and then they yeah. lost to and, Joe Burrow and LSU. And I kind of always thought that he was a little overhyped anyway. Okay, so, that's fair. So my question, but my question is, is from an objective standpoint, taking that out of it, from an objective standpoint, if you're talking about the number one overall pick, you know, being from going from Ken Wisenhunt, that's not going from Ken Wisenhunt to Mike Malarkey and Marcus Mariota. That's not even a, a good as jump as what he had. Maybe in yards, but not you're talking about completion percentage, the touchdown to interception ratio for Marcus in twenty sixteen was out of this world sophomore jump. That to me, what you described is not is not a good sign that things are gonna be any different for this team. Okay. So I think there's a couple of different conversations we're having, which is if, if I, I believe that if all of those numbers happen across the board, that would be significant improvement. For is him. It, for, for what happened last I, year. I don't know if that's enough for a number yes. one overall. The second pick. conversation is, is he good enough to be a starting franchise superstar in the NFL the way he was touted as a prospect? And I still believe in his ability. I still think he is extremely talented. I, I think he's got all the tools. Again, the throws I saw him make at Clemson against the best defenses, especially in championship games where he's – you know, again, the 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 arm talent. Like I just saw what I needed to see out of Trevor Lawrence. I, I think the landing spot has so much to do with the right. struggle, and I think not only was it the Jets' type of landing spot where the franchise is just a joke, but it is also even worse than that because of Urban Meyer. I just think it's almost impossible to judge him because of Urban Meyer. Okay, so let's say he makes the the jump on the high end of whatever you're saying, right? Okay. Does that instill you with enough confidence going into 2023? And technically, he wasn't picked by this regime, by this this coaching staff and everything. And they still win five games. And do you where where do you think the so, confidence level is at for the fan base and for this office heading into 2023 with those numbers and five wins? I think that's a great. So I'll 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 go down from seven to six and just say six okay. wins, which means they've doubled their win total with the new coach and the new players, and he's increased his statistics the way we're we're kind of guesstimating here. Yeah. To me, it's, to your point, how do they look in their games? And if they look like they are more competitive, like it is a step forward, like there's progress in his development, and we see double the wins, which is what Marcus, I think Marcus did that. I, I want to say they doubled his win total. Um, yeah. One of those two years where they went from like two to like four to yeah, like nine. 15 to 16. And it was a big jump. And it's like, could you see the second step coming the next year? I, I, if they, if he does that and they double their win total, he puts up these numbers, I think Jaguar fans are going, all right, we're pretty excited about where this team could be in 2020. Then you're looking at the defensive players getting a year older and meshing for 2023. I think there's there's stuff there to like if Doug Peterson and, frankly, ownership doesn't screw it up. I, that's my issue with it's like with the Cowboys. Like You can get all the best people you want in place, but as long as ownership is still meddling and getting in the way of things – that can screw things up. So they're they're interesting in a different way than they were last year. Because last year you're like, what's the next Urban Meyer story coming right. up? This one is okay. Urban Meyer's gone. How much of that was Urban Meyer? How much is that the players? How much was that the ownership? So right. the ownership has been a pretty consistent theme for this team's lack of success. So at some point, yep, Shad Khan's going to have yep. to you know get the fingers pointed I, at him. I, <laughs> Uh, I still I still think it's a double digit loss team. I think we both agree on that, and I'm not right. talking about Urban Meyer's digits. Um, you talked about fingers yeah. pointing. Well, that was just one stuff. Yeah, just one one single digit. Um, I, I but I think they're going to be better, and I think they're going to be annoying. How about that? I think they're going to be annoying. They they were annoying to Mike Vrabel's defense last year. He got pissed about how poorly they tackled last year down in Jacksonville. James Robinson running all over them and stuff. So. I, I think they're going to be a very annoying here. All right, so you want to get into tech, the Texans here? Let's do it. I, I'm, so this is the lowest win total of any team in, in, the, in the NFL, four and a half here. And the question is, can they come back from the brink with Lovey Smith? And I suppose kind of for similar but slightly different reasons because Deshaun Watson is kind of like Urban Meyer now. Uh, it's similar, but they they also had way more front office turmoil. I feel like well, that's not going away with the suits right. that it, where they're being sued now as well. So, so I don't. To me, this is about Lovey Smith's job is to put blinders on the football team and just try to ignore everything. And I I don't I, I've looked at the depth chart. I've studied the team. I don't think they're very good. No one thinks they're very good. I'm sure you don't think they're very good. But it does all end up on Davis Mills. I think they're better than the Jaguars. 
I think they will end up being better being record. The, yeah, they will have a better record and end up being third in the division. Tell me why. I, I believe in Lovey Smith to at least get a year of good production out of the players there. Now, just because he okay. gets them playing with a fire, with an attitude, with a you know backs against the wall mentality, doesn't mean the players can execute for seventeen weeks, right? So obviously the players are playing within themselves and their limits because they can't go above their limits, but. I think that what you saw when Lovey Smith, when Romeo Cornell moved out and Lovey Smith, you know, took over the defense, you saw, especially in the Titans game, you saw swagger from that defense. And you saw them fill themselves. And that carried over to other games I watched Texans play after they, you know, utterly manhandled the, the Titans. Right. I, so I think that with Lovey Smith, Pep Hamilton, I think that Davis Mills can do enough to help this team at least be better than Jacksonville Jaguars. And I kind of believe you talk about a stable head coach. Lovey Smith, to me, is the definition of a stable head coach. He's a professional adult. He's a, he's a professional adult. He is a, um, he's a guy that I feel like can inspire the team when everything else is down. You talk about putting on blinders. Lovey Smith is that guy that can make sure that this team is playing with blinders on, keep them focused. He basically had to do that all last year for his defensive players, so now he's just doing it for the whole team. He has the backing, the undevoted backing by the Texans front office. They, when he was hired, you talked, you heard everything about how Lovey Smith has been intertwined with his family for yeah. years. Yeah, yeah. So to me, it's it's like they don't have anything to lose, and I feel like Lovey Smith has everything to prove. Nothing to lose, and that's a dangerous combination yeah. for a guy like Lovey Smith, who has had success in Chicago, and, and dangerous for professional millionaires. Yes, like that are athletes and competitive and all right. that stuff. Here's here's what I'd say about Lovey, because this is again the only show anywhere in the internet that's going to compare the Tennessee Volunteers to the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> and the and the <laughs> and the Houston Texans to the Nashville Predators. <laughs> John Hines, coach of the Nashville Predators, may not be good enough to win a Stanley Cup. But I think he was the right coach for the time. He was the right coach for the moment in time following Peter Laviolette to develop young players, kind of reinstill a, a physicality and a toughness. He's the right coach for right now. So with, I feel that way with Lovey Smith. He is not a guy I think you can win big with. I don't think he's a Super Bowl champion. I don't think he's a, a division. Came close. He did. And and I he's with had like a lot Kyle of Kyle Orton and Rex Grossman. Old neck beard. This is his best. This is his best quarterback. Maybe it is. And He's also had a lot of bad football teams since then. That yeah. was that was 50, that was before I got out of college, basically. <laughs> basically. Um, and I'm 40 next week, so there's your, there's your uh, your time for, time stamp on my life. Uh, I, I, he's the right coach for right now. I think he is the one to pass the torch from the previous mess and dumpster fire into the future. He you know he wasn't particularly great at Illinois. He wasn't like I just. I think he's a professional adult that, just like Doug Peterson, will will stabilize the, the whole thing, get people to be professional adults in their roles, and then at some point when the when the ship is stable, he then passes it on to a guy that's got upside. That, it, that's how I see Lovey Smith. If, if I was betting on either the Jaguars or the Texans, to who, who would get closer to 500 or, I guess, 8-9? I would be betting a lot of money on the Texans. Like we've I got a lot, we've got a lot of bets on the show because I'll take yeah. the Jags. Yeah, because to me, I think the the Texans are built a little bit better. Oh, you got to you got to explain yourself on that one. Well, I think obviously Davis Mills was a lot better than Trevor Lawrence oh, last year. Uh, was he not? He was. Far, he is a far more efficient passer of the football than anyone realized, and at the end of the year. He was very good against the Titans, obviously, but he was very good against the Chargers. He, you know, he had a couple of really good games, but was largely very efficient percentage-wise. It's a lot easier when you're when you're losing by a lot of points every like game. the Jaguars were. <laughs> so I am I'm looking at their wide receivers: John Mechie, Brandon Cooks, Nico Collins. I think that's better than the Jaguars' receivers. Now the Jaguars are proven a little bit more, but I'm ta- you were talking about a bunch of speed, and Davis Mills loves to go deep. He, he's a very good thrower yeah. of the ball down the field. I, I, I like Cooks; he's a good player. I don't I, know. I don't know about the other guys. The I think where they lack is their running game, and I think that's going to be a real hindrance because you're talking about Marlon Mack, Rex Burkhead, and Damian Pierce. Now, obviously, Damian Pierce has a chance to win that job. Yeah, I like ETNJ Rob. Yeah. Um, so those Not guys that are. That J Rob. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I'm looking at their defense. Their defense is, to me, just the same. 
Like to me, it's just the same. It's a bunch of guys. I think there's way more are, upside for Jacksonville. Eh, possibly. I mean, I don't think the Texans had a great draft. No. But I don't think that when you look at Kenyon Green, great at left guard. Laramie yeah. Tunsil yeah. is still there. They love him. They love Titus Howard, AJ McCann, Justin Britt. I think is the the weakest one out of everything. There is is just mentioned Britt. Mechie, right? Yes, I like Mechie. I do like him. I mean, to me. Mechie is a game changer for Davis Mills and for this what this team can do offensively. And Pep Hamilton has done a fantastic job of putting his quarterback in position yeah. to succeed no yeah. matter where he's at. How about this? I will agree with you that the receiving core specifically might be better for the Texans, but if you count tight ends and like ETN as a pass catcher, yeah. I'll take the entire collection of weapons for Jacksonville. Tight tight end is where they have the advantage because of Evan Ingram. Right. You know, Rex Burkhead can catch out of the backfield. Yeah. Marlon Mack can catch out of the backfield. And there maybe we don't know what ATN actually is yet. So I don't think that I don't really know what what we're gonna expect from yeah. ATN. I, I don't want the Urban Meyer turning him into a receiver thing, but he is a he part of what made him a special player at Clemson with Trevor Lawrence was how versatile he is out of the backfield. I, I think I think the Texans are kind of a, a sneaky third place kind of team that can pull off some upsets that you weren't expecting. So I guess all of this to me comes down to Davis Mills. And what's really funny, (coughs) excuse me, what's really funny about Davis Mills is I thought I was sort of a guy who was hyping him up coming into the draft because I I really liked him at Stanford. And I thought he did a really, had a really nice set of skills. And I thought, you know what, this is a nice player, you know, fourth round pick, third round picks kind of be somewhere in there. I like that. He ends up going, I think what third round to the Texans. And I thought, you know, this is a, Somebody thinks as about as highly as I do of him. And then he played pretty well, and I felt like I was convincing people to watch him. Like, oh, you got to check out this Davis Mills guys. And now Davis Mills hype train is like out of control, and now I'm starting to second guess myself. You know, like the internet can do that to your brain, where you feel like you know something about a thing, and then you're you're focused on it, and then everyone catches up to it, and you're like, I don't know anymore. Don't, don't I, let it talk you out of it. I, I, I feel I've, I'm feeling hesitant now. Do you think that he's a bridge quarterback? Because in my mind, I think they view him as a at least a starter for two more years after this oh, season. Oh, absolutely, he's cheap and he can start. But I think that I think the way that they have all talked, they view him as the guy. Because if he was just a bridge quarterback, they could have easily drafted a quarterback this 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 year. I if the if the <laughs> If the bridge, whatever they're crossing, yeah. <laughs> whatever the dumpster fire underneath that they're crossing was like shorter, then I could see them drafting a quarterback in the draft this past year. Also, most people thought this was a pretty bad draft class. That's so, true. Um, I think they're. I think the dumpster fire underneath the bridge is much longer because gotcha. they had the, because of the front office and because of the coaching situation and the like all the garbage that they've been through, which. Frankly, the two biggest, weirdest dumpster fires in the NFL in the Titans division the last two years yeah. has helped, let's be honest. Right. Um, but I I think that bridge is longer, so I think you ride with Davis Mills. I think he's the franchise quarterback for now, and you learn if he's the guy. And if he's the guy over the next two years, I think you'll know. And then at that point, you can build around him right when he gets expensive. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that there's a lot to like about Davis Mills' game when you look at what he went through last year and the stats he was able to put up in the short time that he actually played. And I think that with the improvement that you have another year for Nico Collins, you have Brandon Cooks, who's pretty much reliable. They love Brandon Cooks. Yeah, he's pretty set. And John Mechie, who is ultra reliable, always going to be in a spot, knows the routes to run. I think you're going to see... It's like I would kind of aching it to... Aching it? Yeah, Aiken it. Liking it, too? Like, no, well, you can do both. I think Aiken's a word, A-K-I-N, right? Interns? Akin? Producer? Akin to. Akin to. Akin to. Yeah, yeah what I say? Aiken? Aiken. Oh, well, yeah. Same thing. Yeah, which is like a which is like an elementary school, I think, like right over yeah. here. It'll go breaking my heart or something. <laughs> uh, the, um, I think, like, you're looking at him, and he's like, not Ryan Tannehill, you know what I'm saying? He's he's kind of a bland quarterback. He's like one yeah. of those quarterbacks that's not really going to lose you a game, but he may not win you a game, which may, is not like Ryan Tannehill. But I'm having a hard yeah. time figuring out which. Uh, he does have a large neck? Yeah, kind of like a well, he's better he's than like, Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon. <laughs> he's better than him, but like he's he's one of those one of those quarterbacks that's not going to lose you the game. Like I feel like Trevor Lawrence can lose you the game, 
David because he's going to take a risk that Davis Mills is not going to take. Uh, Stony Keeley in the comments says, "I'm all in on a 2022 Texans dark horse playoff run." Shut up, Stony. Um, Zach's wrong. Uh, oh, Dave- I never said <laughs> that they were going to make the playoffs. <laughs> no, that's true. Uh, Dave, he also added Davis Mills would have been the first quarterback drafted this year. I'm not sure what that even means, but I believe it. I don't necessarily disagree with that. To say that he would have been the best quarterback in I, this I, year's I draft class, I don't think that's I, that I, crazy at all. But I, again, I like people Davis really Mills. Lo- people really loved Kenny Pickett, though. I know. I like Davis Mills coming out of college. I just feel weird now that everyone else likes him. Yeah. Again, that's, I'm not saying but, that's but logical. Here's it's the just, thing is that the proof's in the film, right? I mean, you'll go back and look at the film. He was a better quarterback than probably everybody. Yeah, I yes. guess you can make the argument that maybe Mac Jones is better, but there's a whole game where Mac Jones didn't even have to throw the ball. No, I think down the field accuracy, Davis Mills was phenomenal. Yeah. Like, uh, I think he throws a nice ball down the field, and I think that, again— and they got Nico Collins and Brennan Cooks who can take right, advantage okay. of that. Now you got Mechie, and I get it. I get yeah. it. So offensive line running game needs to find some balance, but I think Mills is the guy for the next— yeah, Their running game is, is a lot to be desired. Gross. Not, yes. not safe for work. All right, so we're going to get into SEC West quarterback battles because they are truly fascinating. We talked a lot about the SEC East last week, so go check out that episode. We're going to talk about the SEC West today. You've got huge quarterback battles at LSU, A&M, Ole Miss, Auburn, and then three stars at the other places. Uh, But before we do that, some breaking news. This was uh, John Wilner, who's a Pac-12 syndicated reporter across like the Seattle Times and all these newspapers out there on the West Coast. John Wilner reported that as of potentially 2024, that USC and UCLA could be moving to the Big Ten, which is clearly a response to the SEC taking Texas and Oklahoma, which I would argue there is no response to the SEC taking Texas and yeah, Oklahoma. I mean, there's no there's no move that's equivalent. Uh, but this is but this is if this were to happen, move. this would be as bold a move as the Big Ten could possibly make outside of Notre Dame. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think. I think with the way the Big Ten has come around with getting a little bit less top-heavy, right? I mean, aren't they a little bit less top-heavy than what they have been in still, the previous years, but still there? Now you're adding Ohio US, State. Yeah, you're, right. now you're adding USC. Yes. Now you're adding UCLA. Yes. That's pretty big. Yes. No, this is a monstrous move that uh, that stretches you coast to coast, so you got to get used to those uh, well, That's what uh, those Maryland, uh, you know, UCLA games or I don't whatever. know why what is up with you and Mike in Maryland but Mike said the same thing in the group chat I said I the good news is I won't have to get used to it because I've never watched a Maryland game in my life well it's because Maryland's supposed to be in the ACC that's why <laughs> yeah. like now we have a Pac-12 team and an ACC team playing Big Ten games yeah I don't know how about Indiana UCLA bait uh, football not basketball football how about USC? Basketball is going to be fun, though. Yes, it will. Think about yeah. that. I know we're a football show, but think about what base oh, this is going to do for basketball. What about uh, UCLA? Very good baseball program, by the way. Yeah. National championship recently. UCLA at Penn State in March for baseball. Yeah. <laughs> I'm anxious to so see weird. UCLA and Penn State play, you know, wideout games or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, this is all this to me at this point. I, I kind of like the idea of having maybe just two or three conferences. That's, so, But I, I get it that it hurts the little schools, but I really don't care about the little schools anymore. Well, and you're not a huge, like, you're not a, a diehard fan who loves watching, like, um, yeah, I'm Oregon, not watching Maryland. Oregon State and Maryland, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. So here, here's, what, here's what you need to know about all of this. You're, what you just said is basically right. We are headed towards two monstrous AFC, NFC type conferences. I would assume it will be the Big Ten and the SEC because they are financially so much stronger and more powerful than everybody else. A north-south division, uh, you know, and maybe with USC and UCLA, maybe that's we're fudging the, the ge- geography there. But that's, a ba- that's basically what we're going to have. Whether it's 40 teams, 20 north, 20 south, or 20 Big Ten, 20 SEC, this has been on – the writing has been on the wall for the better part of three to four years now, if not longer. If I am – North Carolina, Clemson, Virginia, Florida State, Miami. I am I'm lawyering up right now trying to get out of the ACC to join either the Big Ten or the SEC. Well, don't even forget like the so. AAC where you got Houston and Memphis whose programs have come up a really long and have grown to be competitive they're, they're, know, programs. They're down the list. Though. Yeah, but I mean, if, if, I'm, if I am them, you're talking about I, I'm trying to lawyer up with them. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. and trying to get out of there. But the SEC wants the state of North Carolina and the state of Virginia. But yeah. so does the Big Ten. They both want those two states because you can add cost to right. your business partners and everything. So it is about North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia Tech, NC State, and then from a football standpoint, because you can sell a lot of tickets and a lot of 
partnerships will pay a lot of money for these games, Florida State, Miami, Clemson. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if Washington and Oregon factor into this as two major brands that could come. I mean, I'm wondering what Oregon's going to do. I mean, those would be the two. If I'm if I'm the Big Ten, I've already got the two big ones. The next two I want are Oregon and Washington. Those so are the is next UCLA really bigger than Oregon? Is it just because of the basketball program, too, being added into it, where Oregon's kind of like, Oregon's been to, a, I want to say they went to the Elite Eight, maybe a Final Four yeah. recently. They're not a bad, and like, like just some to talk in history. I think US, I UCLA is a bigger, more powerful brand, brand okay. across all athletics. Oregon is a, is much better at football in the last twenty years. Yeah, but but again, if you're just talking, who can sell? Who who's worth the most to TV partners and who's worth the most to season ticket holders and to ad sales? It is going to be Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA, and over here on the East Coast. It's probably Notre Dame into the Big Ten. So then all of a sudden, now you're at like 21 or 22 teams. And then in the SEC, you're going to go gobble up the rest of the the good teams in the ACC. Yeah. And maybe Oklahoma State, because you want to package that with Oklahoma. Right. But otherwise, like, you're probably not even Kansas State, Iowa State. You know, I think West Virginia fits well in the SEC because they're just freaking redneck crazy. So, like, West Virginia belongs in the SEC in my mind. But I, this is what's this is where we've been headed for right. years. This is where we're going. So It's exciting. I I'm interested in it. The news is huge. If that yeah. is in fact true, that the Big Ten is going to take two schools from Los Angeles, that's crazy, and move them into the—I don't know what division they would have. I guess Ford. I don't. Who knows? It's gonna. It's gonna keep. There'll be a lot more news on this. So just stay tuned. Um, okay, SEC West quarterback battles. Real quickly here, uh, everyone's chasing Bryce Young. There's right. No, there's no question about this. Would you say KJ Jefferson is the second best quarterback? Yes, hands I think, down. I think he's the least. I think in the conference. Yeah, including oh, Hooker. Wow, including Hooker. I like KJ Jefferson. He's got a lot of Cam Newton to his game. Um, he is very experienced, big, so powerful dude. Second best quarterback, clearly. Not clearly. Okay, not clearly. Okay. No, I would say the next three: KJ Jefferson at Arkansas, Hendon Hooker at um, Tennessee, and then Will Rogers at Mississippi State. Who, who, by the way, Will Rogers would have set an SEC single season passing record last year, if not for Bryce Young and Joe yeah. Burrow. So Will Rogers very underrated, in my opinion. Those three. Hooker, Rogers, and Jefferson are the three that I would place on the second, second through four. Like you can kind of pick gotcha. one that you like, and I don't have a problem with that argument. Um, so I, I like those those guys a lot, and I think it's why Arkansas, and Mississippi State are going to be very good this year. It's because of those two guys. Um, Will Levis, you probably could slide yeah. in there as well. Anthony Richardson at, at Florida, but we'll see. We'll see how Will does with what he's got to work with. I mean, that's the big. Oh, Levis, yeah, yeah, that's the question about our, at Kentucky for sure. So then you get to the quarterback battles, and you, you've got a lot of intrigue here. I'll start with AM because I think they're the best team. They're a t- preseason top five team, according to Athlon Sports, um, the magazine that I work for, and we put together the, the rankings. So I'm obviously sort of citing my own rankings here. But now, do y'all take an average of all the writers? So I'm because what'd you rank them personally? Uh, I, I would. I could argue that they're the fourth best team in America. Whoa! But their path to the playoff yeah. is tricky. Gotcha. Um, because you're gonna have to beat Bama or Georgia or lose once, or just pay more money to all those players, <laughs> right. which they clearly are doing. Um, so the quarterback battle is Haynes King, who started last year as a redshirt freshman, got injured in the second game. Zach Calzada came in, who's transferred to Auburn now. Try to keep all this straight. Max Johnson threw 27 touchdown passes last year for LSU. He's now at A and M, and then they've got the five star Connor Weigman, who's coming in. Who, who, who everybody? I, I talked to two people at A and M that are not homers, and have compared him to Johnny Menzel in, in spring practice. Whoa, that's that's big. That'd be big for them because, so. as you know, Johnny Menzel did beat Alabama. Uh, he did. And do if they have this guy that's supposed to be like that, that's pretty big. I mean, you're talking about what should be three really good quarterbacks, and that's a good problem to have. Mm-hmm. When one gets chosen over the other two, one of them's <laughs> enter, entering in the transfer portal. yeah. So, if you are, where do you go? Do you do you, do you go with the guy Max Johnson first, and then keeping Connor in the wings? And I think you can keep Connor in the wings no matter yeah. what. I think Haynes King has the most pure ability of between him and Max. He's a lot better, a lot more athletic. And again, he won the job last year and knows the system. Yeah. Max has kind of transferred in. Max, I think, is sort of like your stable veteran that you've got in case you need to go to him. Gotcha. Um, so I, you're right about the strategy. I, to me, I would ride with Haynes King and Connor Weigman and then yeah. say, Max, we love you, but if you need to transfer, we understand. Unless he was promised the job because he fits Jimbo Fisher's very, very slow pro-style offense better than maybe the other two guys who are more athletic. So gotcha. that, that could be where 
But again, A&M will go as far as their quarterback takes them. They are better this year than they were last year at quarterback. They could challenge for a playoff spot with a great quarterback. They could be a four-loss team if so, they choose So wrong. essentially, this is the biggest decision probably in the SEC out of all the teams. I think so. Is who starts for this team. For A&M, yeah. I think so. I think of any position battle at any team anywhere in the conference, I think A&M quarterback could be the most important. Oof. Oh, man. I'm really hoping Jimbo Fisher gets it wrong then. <laughs> Um, LSU is fascinating because they have Jaden Daniels, who was a star as a freshman at Arizona State, big-time recruit coming out of high school. Miles Brennan, who's been there and like went to the portal and came back but started a lot. I was about to say, didn't. I thought he left. He did, and then he came back. <laughs> Garrett Nussmeyer, who was uh, – um, uh, I forget his first name, the coach, Nussmeyer, Doug Nussmeyer's son, who coached um, for Alabama at Nick Saban. He's, then he went to Michigan. But Garrett's there also – then they have Walker Howard, who's a five-star recruit coming in. This to me is Jaden Daniels' job. Yeah, it should be if you're if you're making if it should be Jaden Daniels' job. I mean, Brian Kelly has a big decision to make on this, and obviously, I'm going with the guy from Arizona State that's proven that he can sling the ball. Yep, he had a bad last year. Also, that was Herm Edwards' coaching yeah. staff at Arizona State, where everyone got fired, and it was very tumultuous, and he had a bad bad year. But I think Jaden Daniels, I think. Has the most talent here. The one to watch though is Nussmeyer. Everybody's raving about Garrett Nussmeyer as a chance to unseat, and he's a bit more of a pro style guy, which is kind of what Brian Kelly wants yeah. to run. But Jaden Daniels, I think, has the most ability, and if he and if he develops and hits all his marks, he's the upside guy. Also, I love the fact that a guy decides to transfer in where there's three other players, right? And say, you know what? Who cares about competition? Now, give me give me a chance to prove that. Kind of lets me know that he was told something that pretty much says this is your job to lose, or you can beat these three. Yeah, exactly. Like it's one or the other. It's come on in. We trust you to win the competition, or we're gonna. Like I don't think they. I don't think Brian Kelly is a promise starting time kind of guy. No, he, Saban he doesn't. Just, Saban he, doesn't promise starting. Yeah, time. he's just a you know guy that lets you know just red lets face. people die. He's just a. Wow, yeah. Angry red face Brian Kelly. That was an old Brian Kelly. He's turned over oh, a new leaf. That's sure. softer. I'll believe it. More yeah. He's he's a he's a dancer Brian, now Brian in Kelly. those videos. <laughs> what an idiot. Uh me, not Brian Kelly. Uh Can you? Ja- Jackson Dart, Luke Altmeyer at Ole Miss. Uh Jackson Dart transfers in from USC. I, I don't know like this offense is so fun to watch and so fun to run. You want a guy with a lot of talent and ability. Luke Altmeyer's been there. And could win the job because he's been there and he's been in the in the system. I but think Jackson we know Dart has all the talent. I was about to say, we, I think we know that Lane Kiffin's not a guy that's going to show you loyalty. <laughs> no, <Zero laughs> so loyalty. From to Lane me, Kiffin. him getting Jackson Dart at Ole Miss lets me know that hey, I still pay attention to what's going on over in USC. I know what's going on over in California. I'm bringing this guy over here because I know he's going to start for this team. Yeah, Caleb Williams going from Oklahoma to USC was like, yep, yeah, Jackson Dart's like peace. Um, so I think Dart. What a great name for a quarterback. Yeah, it will. Jackson Dart. Yeah, it's just throwing darts out there. Well, it's a great quarterback for a school in Mississippi. Yeah, as well. Jackson. Yeah, there you go. Dart. There you go. Uh, Auburn. I think this is fascinating because uh, I don't like. Are any of them good? It's <laughs> exactly what I was going to say. I look at A and M's guys and I go, Kane's King could be good. Yeah. Max Johnson, pretty solid. Oh, Connor Weigman, lots of talent. Like, I could see any of those guys taking over and being a solid player. Right, then you go over to Auburn. And the, actually, the one I think who's the best, the best player of the bunch and who will have the best opportunity to be successful in college, wherever this may be, yeah, is, and I can never say his last name, but Holden Gariner. Uh, he's the guy who won, like, all the state championships in Georgia, four-star recruit, came in, people raved about him, kind of handpicked by Brian Harson, who is a very good quarterback coach. Um, Robbie Ashford transferred in from Oregon. Zach Calzada transferred in from AM. TJ Finley transferred in from LSU a year ago. I, I don't I see a lot of average players here. And right. that's that to your point. I Garner might be the most talented. Don't be surprised. This is the surprise one here. Ashford could be the shocker. If Robbie Ashford wins the job, the, the, the Oregon transfer, that's the kid who may just like kind of surprise people and actually be good. Like we're saying, like, I don't see a lot of talent here. Ashford could be the wild card in all of that. So keep an eye on Robbie Ashford you got at, a little, at Auburn. You got a little over probably close to 15 names on there. <laughs> so on this list. So I'm looking at it. How many of those are players that you could see playing on Sunday at the next level? Not counting Bryce, KJ, and Will Rogers, right? Just the, yeah, just the, just one the, the, the ones that we talked to, the schools that we talked about. Um, pure talent, it's, it's almost all the freshmen, honestly. Yeah. It's Connor Wagman, it's Walker Howard at LSU. 
Maybe it's Hank Haynes King. I think Jaden Daniels will get drafted, but I don't know if he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. So we, I don't think anybody at Auburn. We talk about this being the Jackson, best Denver, best year for SEC quarterbacks, right? Does this list inspire you? These young guys that you talked about that you you consider going to be in the NFL. Does that inspire you to think that maybe in a, like two or three years we'll be saying the same exact thing about the, the quarterback class again in the SEC, especially with Texas and Oklahoma added? That is a great question because it's going to have to include Arch Manning. Yeah. It would have to include Nico Yamaliava at Tennessee. It would. It sort of has to recruit, improve the uh, include. Excuse me. I can't what say what does words. he go by? The the Yakanabalafa guy. Because I'm not going to learn to say <laughs> Chris Fuamatu Maafala. Yeah. Um. It, Nico. You can just call okay, him Nico. Nico. Okay. Nico. Yeah. But it's Yamaliava. It's yeah. really not that hard. Yeah. It sounds horrible. Fucking redneck. Uh, all right, <laughs> Haynes King, Haynes King, Max Johnson, Connor Weigman, Walker Howard, Garrett Nussmeyer, Jaden Daniels, Jackson Dart. I think there's a lot of talented guys there. I think this this these teams are going to have good players in the future, and I'm not concerned about Alabama having one or Georgia. Yeah, obviously, Georgia has the entire lax bro covered. <laughs> yeah. It's like Stetson, Gunner, and Brock. Like right. they're all just lax bros from Virginia. They <laughs> they all graduated from Duke together playing lacrosse. Um, so I, I, there's the future is bright for Florida as well. They're recruiting extremely right. well, although they just lost the guy controversial to controversially to Miami in recruiting. So Nico, I, there's, there's a lot of upside in this league coming, coming in the future. And that is the difference between this sec and the sec 10 years ago. Right. Saban said, we need super quarterbacks and they got him and everybody and everybody started recruiting him. Right. And that's been the difference between the best teams in the sec today. Everybody listens to Lord Saban. Yeah. Well, I would. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't you? Wouldn't, I would. Wouldn't you? Um, I think that Everybody just... But maybe Auburn. <laughs> yeah, except, well, Auburn doesn't listen to anybody. Yeah. Like, they're just in a room throwing staplers at each other and yelling about stuff, and nobody's talking at each... They're just yelling past each other. It's ridiculous. Um, all right. USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. You got a lot of quarterback battles in the West, and you got a deep dive on, uh, of course, uh, Jacksonville and Houston. Uh, Sean, producer Sean here, should we have a gambling wager on who has more wins... Jacksonville or the Texans? Can we should because we've got a lot of bets. Yeah, and I'm not. We need to start writing them down. Okay, so I'll you already owe me one glass of. You already owe me one bottle of bourbon yeah, for last year. I don't know what it was. It was for um, draft. The draft. I said uh, that if uh, Malik Willis was there when the Steelers picked. Oh, that's right. That's then right. yeah, you were wrong. Yeah, I was so wrong. They went. One, they went. Kenny Pickett. We'll just we'll just have a, a running tally. It's sort of like the beer continuum. Yeah, you know what the beer continuum is like if somebody buys you a beer, you just. You just make sure you buy them a beer later. Like the beer continuum just needs to be there's there's balance in the universe when everybody keeps contributing to the beer continuum. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Yin and yang. Uh, so the question is, what should be on the line for a Texan? We'll just we'll just keep right, passing keep, a bottle of, keep uh, a bottle of bourbon. Yeah, bourbon. All right, there you go. Bottle bottle of whiskey. Jaguars for me. Texans for him. More wins in 2022. Anything else? Turn on the notifications. Thank you guys all for listening. Cast Collective, of course, I believe it's thecastcollective.com. They now have a website, uh, cast underscore collective on Instagram. So slide up into those DMs, of course. Buildkg.com is the website for the Kingston Group, who makes all of this happen for us here on this show, keeping it free for you. And we love you guys and appreciate all of you for supporting us and hanging out. So share the show. Tell some people about it. We really, really appreciate all of your support. Uh, F-Words Pod, Broadway Sports Media, all the other shows for 440 Sports as well. Thank you. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. For Zach, I'm Braden. This... It's been a football show.